Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast, dedicated to helping musicians improve their health and well-being in partnership with Help Musicians. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode we're going to be talking about tinnitus and hearing. Research has suggested that a massive 74% of musicians experience hearing issues which can have a real impact on their ability to work. So we wanted to look at this topic in more detail and find out how musicians can be supported with hearing problems and how issues can be prevented. To do this, later on I'll be speaking to Nick Ray of the British Tinnitus Association. Nick tells me about the different types of tinnitus, how it affects musicians and we discuss the findings of the BTA's latest research on this topic. But first, I spoke to artist and producer Isabel Anderson. Isabel had a really difficult time with tinnitus a few years ago, which affected her ability to work and produce music. And it also had a real impact on her mental health, and she kindly shares her experiences with that too. Thankfully, over time, Isabel was able to manage her tinnitus, and her mental health improved too. So let's hear how she did that. I woke up one morning, I had a blocked ear, I stuck my finger in my ear because I didn't know why it was blocked and then I wedged all this wax up against my eardrum basically and then that created, uh, after two or three days, I was starting to get a bit of tinnitus but it was incredibly painful and so I had an ear infection that was developing they ended up removing the earwax, but even when they removed the earwax, um, I still had tinnitus. And even when the infection had totally gone, I still had tinnitus. So I'd been really hoping that it would be alleviated you know, entirely because it was really, really, really freaking me out. Within a couple of days, I was pretty much unable to sleep. You know, it was that uncomfortable. It wasn't just the sound of the tinnitus, but when the wax was still in my ear and I had the infection, it was so uncomfortable and so painful that it was really hard to really concentrate on anything. And then that was this vicious cycle where the less sleep I had, the less I could distract myself and the more I was just kind of feeling tortured really it really did feel like physical torture physical mental torture and so by the time I'd you know the infection had cleared up I'd got rid of the wax that's when I started becoming properly suicidal because it became obvious that there was something else going on this had escalated or changed or morphed into something else but my GP didn't really seem to be able to articulate what that was to me or even offer me much sympathy for what that must feel like And I was just suddenly locked in this really unbearable other world where the whole of my existence was accompanied by this incredibly loud tone all the time that sometimes I couldn't couldn't even hear people through. It was that all-encompassing and overwhelming. So what I ended up doing was having to pay to see a private ear, nose and throat specialist because, you know, my GP on the one hand was not particularly forward in referring me, but also when I kind of almost tried to demand that she did, it was just going to take a long time. And I was very much on the brink. I was really so close to taking my life because it's hard for people to really understand this if they haven't gone through this. But tinnitus is one of those things that when it comes on, like it did with me, it comes on thick and fast and the world is not equipped to help you navigate it. Unfortunately, it's just not, you know, and you have to be lucky that you have some money or you have just happen to have a GP who's clued up. But if you don't have that, then 
it's a really, really, really difficult place to be, but it's hard to describe because it's like stepping into an, a different reality. Um, it's like being in a nightmare, basically, and no one can see it. No one can hear it. No one can kind of reach in and grab you out of it, really. So that's what it felt like to me. I, I saw this ENT specialist as soon as I said I felt suicidal, he was like, I get it. You know, you're not the first person. Like, in fact, most people who get to me, they're, they're in that place and I take it seriously. And that's why we're going to, you know, get you some help immediately. And so he immediately referred me to see a hearing therapist who, again, was, OK, I get it. You're not crazy. This is so normal. It's it's a really difficult condition to get. It just, especially the way that it did with me and lots of other people is when it comes on like that so quickly. So that was really nice. It was like, finally, people know what this is. People have seen other people like me before and they have tools and techniques, which they've been very explicit. are not going to just take it away. They were very clear with me. You are going to have to put a lot of work in. We will do everything we can to support you, but you need to put work in here because otherwise it will not this none of the techniques we give you will work like you have to do it it was a long long process over a couple of years of using in-ear noise generators um sound therapy of different kinds lots of kind of programming of my brain in reprogramming how i was psychologically relating to the tinnitus sound I also took anti-anxiety medication because that was the only way at the beginning that I was able to sleep and that made a big difference. Can you describe a little bit more about what the sound was like? You said it was like a constant tone. If you were to compare that tone maybe on a keyboard, like in what register would it have been or, you know, how loud was it? At the beginning, it was it was a complex cluster of different sounds and tones. Well, this is the thing about tinnitus is it it waxes and wanes and it changes and, you know, depending on how stressed you are, depending on how loud the, uh, the environment you're in is, it, it's very, very psychological in that it's not made up in your head. That's not what I mean, of course, but it's a very kind of um, subjective thing to go through. But for me, when it was at its worst, it was so loud that it was hard to concentrate on anything else. You know, like I said, couldn't really even make out what people were saying to me. It was so dense, just the feeling of it. It was like being in fudge, mm. the sound. I was doing my PhD in sonic arts at the, at the time at the Sonic Arts Research Centre. So quite clearly that was a head melt, getting tinnitus in the first year of that and being in soundproof studios where you were just there alone with your tinnitus um, was very difficult at first. But I'd come back from a whole day of doing that and I'd have to just go upstairs and be on my own and do guided meditation breathing for literally two hours a night because I had such a bad headache. The tinnitus was so loud. I was so anxious. I felt so alone. And I had to do something that just would calm all of that down. So what I found was when I did that, at the end of an hour or two of doing a guided med meditation, I could hear the difference in the tinnitus. That rather than this big, messy, dense cluster of stuff you know, the nice kind of ambient music would stop and I'd be like, oh, I can, it's like a chord. It's like a very dissonant chord of about five tones. I could, it, I felt like it was calming it down and it started to become more like an organ. So I started to notice how things were affecting it a bit more. That's not a great relief in terms of, oh, if I lie down and do ambient guided meditations for two hours, 
I can reduce the impact by like 20%. That's not going to let me really get on with my life that much. But what it does do is it gives you more understanding of the condition. And mm-hmm. I started to kind of have this understanding of, okay, if I do this every day for months, that's going to have an accumulative effect. I started to see how over time that might build up. Where are you at with it now? How, what's the kind of volume of it? What's the intensity of it now? It's like night and day. So now I have a bit of white noise, which I can hear in most quiet rooms. If I focus on it, I have now what you would call habituated. My tinnitus has moved into my subconscious, let's say, which doesn't mean I don't ever hear it because if I decide to listen, I can listen now and I'll hear it. I will at the very least hear that white noise And when I focus in on it, it becomes slightly overbearing. It feels like I'm in almost like a pressure sealed tank or something. Otherwise, if somebody said, have you heard your tinnitus today? I'd say no, not at all. So that's that's what happens when you habituate. And if I listen carefully and it's a really quiet room, maybe I'm really tired. I will sometimes hear a couple of tones. And if I yawn, I hear a whole cluster of tones in my bad ear where I got the infection, but only when I yawn. So um, I still have it, but it's not at all um, in any way impacting my life at all. And if you took it away tomorrow, I wouldn't notice because I've habituated to it. And I habituated over the course of at least two years, if not more than that. And a big part of that process was on the one hand, like I said, sound therapy. So that's using ambient or environmental sound to not mask the tinnitus sound. So it's not to stop hearing it at all. You use the sound below the volume of your tinnitus and that helps your brain to start to habituate. So not not pay attention to it as much, but still hear it so that it's not... Um, you're not giving it periods where it's not hearing it at all because otherwise when you take that environmental sound away it'll suddenly focus on the tinnitus so it's helping your brain to habituate but at the same time you have to do the psychological work too so I had to start every single day every day whenever I would notice that I heard my tinnitus and I'd got scared which was you know at the beginning every minute of the day literally I would say to myself it's just a sound it can't hurt you and it's here and that's okay. I'd literally talk to my brain like that and meditated, took up meditation and was taking medication as well. So it's a whole combination of things. Uh, the hearing therapist was great about, you know, she was trained in psychology and counselling. So as well as us going through the practical stuff of what are sound, in-ear noise generators, how do you use them? What is sound therapy, all that kind of stuff. I talked to her about, you know, at the time I was 26, all of my friends, the way that we socialized was going to clubs, going to gigs, all the stuff that is unbearable if you're going through what I had. And also I should say I had hyperacusis as well, which if anyone doesn't know um, who's listening is where sound feels unbearably loud. So I had that for a few months after having the ear infection and and the wax. And basically I had a really quite an acute trauma in my left ear. So I was left with, this is the fallout, the tinnitus and the hyperacusis. So those together were really difficult. And even being in a room for the first few months, even being in a room with more than one other person was unbearably loud. So I was in a house share with three other people leading a typical mid-20s lifestyle. And then suddenly I was, yeah, walking up to my room at seven in the evening to do two hour long 
meditations. It was very, very difficult emotionally because I felt so, I'm so much of an outsider, which was horrible. And I was going through the grief of a long-term relationship ending, which, you know, was, was still really difficult. I think when this happened, I felt so alone. And then also my parents were living with my grandma who unfortunately had Alzheimer's at the time. So I couldn't move home. So I just felt so alone, so alone. So the hearing therapist was wonderful at being able to talk to me, but not just as a counsellor, but someone that got tinnitus and someone that got that this was all of my stuff, but interacting with tinnitus, you know, and that's important. That's so important because my GP did refer me to for CBT at the beginning, but it just wasn't, it wasn't right. It wasn't enough because this person was focusing just on the emotional component and not, not being able to really speak to what was going on with me health-wise too. Whereas the hearing therapist could say, this is happening to you and some people might react differently, but also here's how this is very common in the people that I see coming into my clinic. You know, she just was able to actually talk to me like that, which was really important to hear. And so a normal counsellor would have been great, but it's not the same. So all of those things made a massive impact in me finding my way back. That was Isabel Anderson, who also runs a podcast and online recording academy for female producers. If you want to check those out, we've put a link in the show notes. We'd like to thank Help Musicians for their support in bringing you this episode. They're an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. The British Tinnitus Association has just published a report in partnership with Help Musicians about how tinnitus affects musicians. I spoke to the VTA's communication manager, Nick Ray, who told me more. Isabel told me about her experiences of tinnitus, but it obviously affects people in very different ways. For example, I know that Isabel spoke about how she had specific tones. I have a form that seems to be like white noise. Can you tell me about tinnitus more generally and how it affects people? Well, tinnitus is a a very individual condition. If we asked the 7 million people with tinnitus, we'd get 7 million different answers probably. So tinnitus is the perception of noise in the head or the ears where there's no matching external sound. And this sound can have any quality. It can be a buzzing, it can be a ringing, it can be a whistling, it can even be snatches of music. And the tinnitus can be felt to be almost anywhere in the head or the ears, maybe one ear, maybe both, maybe the top of the head, back of the head. It can also vary in pitch, in tone, in intensity. It can come and go or it can be permanent. It really is something that is individual to every single person who experiences it. And Isabel spoke about how mentally challenging her experience of tinnitus was. Is this something that you see quite frequently? It's very common. And we have just actually completed a survey where we were looking at 
people's experiences of tinnitus and we know that it can be very challenging for people. One in six of the people we surveyed have had suicidal thoughts because of their tinnitus. 71% reported having anxiety and nearly half of them experienced depression and other major factors that impact on quality of life include things such as sleep deprivation or the lack of concentration. And so what are some of the main causes of tinnitus and and is it possible to prevent it? There are a number of causes of tinnitus. We don't fully understand all of them, but tinnitus is often associated with hearing loss, perhaps due to wear and tear as people age. And this gradual change due to wear and tear can cause hearing loss, which makes you know, tinnitus more noticeable. But exposure to loud noise will also damage these hair cells, and this can happen at any age. Stress and anxiety makes tinnitus more noticeable. It possibly causes the onset. We don't know. Sometimes it's a wee bit of sort of a chicken and egg situation with stress and tinnitus. And other ear problems can cause hearing loss and tinnitus too. So perhaps an ear infection or congestion due to a cold or flu and even something as straightforward as a buildup of earwax. That can also trigger tinnitus. And so Isabel told me about the way that her tinnitus was treated. What other ways are there? Isabel spoke very movingly about some of the things that that she tried and, and techniques such as using sound and using relaxation are very key to managing tinnitus and living well with tinnitus. If there's any hearing loss, then correcting that hearing loss, even if it is a very mild hearing loss will be helpful. Sound therapy, particularly in sort of quieter times, if tinnitus sounds louder at those times. So something like environmental or natural sounds, which can come from a a CD or a sound generator or, you know, an app on your phone. Learning to relax properly, not the sort of vegging in front of the TV type of relaxation, but the sort of relaxation. So relaxation techniques such as yoga, tai chi, breathing exercises, mindfulness meditation, they can help reduce the loudness of tinnitus and help people become indifferent to it. And then just finding out more about the condition can be helpful. Knowing that you're not alone, that it is common, and then talking about it can be helpful. Now, whether that is with a professional counsellor using techniques such as cognitive behavioural therapy or whether that's in a support group or talking to a helpline. People do derive great benefit from that. You recently published a report on tinnitus. Can you tell me a bit about the findings? Yes. To coincide with World Hearing Day, we published a report called Music to Your Ears, which is looking at the impact of tinnitus on professional musicians. And we were supported in this work by help musicians. And we worked in in partnership with the University of Nottingham. And we were really looking to find out what issues faced musicians who have tinnitus to increase the awareness of the support needs of of these musicians. And like I said, we published the report and it came out with four key recommendations around support, around management, around kind of education and awareness. The recommendations covered these 
areas. And really, each of these is important, but works as a whole. And we found that the risk of noise-induced hearing loss is greater for professional musicians than the general population. And musicians with tinnitus need more mental health support. A quarter of musicians with tinnitus have also been diagnosed with a mental health condition. And tinnitus presents a significant problem for musicians living with tinnitus. And it has a particularly severe impact on their ability to switch off, to relax. And that's, you know, I've already mentioned relaxation is, is a key management technique for tinnitus. And then overall, I think in terms of education, there's a bit of a stigma and lack of understanding of tinnitus within the general population, and perhaps almost within musicians, and that leads to a lack of empathy. So we need to just to raise awareness of tinnitus and its impact. We know from other work that we've done that we need to elevate sort of tinnitus education with with healthcare professionals. So it all kind of fits together. But as well as educating healthcare professionals, we probably do need to make musicians more aware of tinnitus, more aware of our services, and more aware of the steps that they can take to prevent tinnitus occurring in the first place. One of the things that we found in the report was almost one quarter of musicians never wear hearing protection despite the risk. So tinnitus prevention and healthy hearing education really needs to be prioritised. So how do you think you can get the message out to more musicians about the importance of protecting their hearing? Well, that's something that we're working on in terms of music education. And we'll be working with partners to bring that forward. A lot of our respondents in in the survey mentioned that they had perhaps not had education or they'd had very basic education about hearing protection or what they had wasn't very engaging. So we're going to take these findings to produce plans to make that situation better because it is key. Prevention is better than cure. It's an old saying, but it's a very true saying because sadly there is no, you know, there is no cure for tinnitus. So education first is key. And, you know, we'll be developing a sort of education intervention to educate young musicians about how to protect their hearing and reduce the risk of developing tinnitus. And we're hoping that, you know, if we develop something like this, it could be implemented in music colleges to share advice around the relevant issues. And we can take that forward and also make sure that we have that kind of information for practising musicians who are out there performing on a daily basis as well. We already have our website around hearing protection, tinnitus prevention, it's called Plugum, and that outlines some basic information about hearing protection and why it's important and answers the question, how loud is too loud? And so how can musicians protect their hearing health more generally? Obviously, it's it's hearing protection and obtain it, use it, get the best that you can afford and use it, but also looking after yourself more generally. So, for example, if you are playing for long periods of time or you're in a loud environment, then making sure you're well hydrated because good hydration helps ear health. Taking regular breaks, so maybe five minutes every hour, going into a quieter space and making sure that you're taking those breaks. Looking at 
volume levels so that they're not excessive and they're not for excessive periods of time. And so if someone's listening and they're experiencing some hearing issues, what would you advise? Well, the first step is always to talk to your GP because they're the gatekeepers for referring onwards to to further care. Contact somebody like ourselves, the British Genetics Association. We have a helpline, we have web chat, we have lots of information on our website and we have a free tinnitus e-learning programme which will take you through many of the management techniques that you can use. Talk about it, talk about it to your employer, to your bandmates, make them aware because, you know, it is something that can be managed and it can have an impact and it's mitigating the impact of tinnitus. That was Nick Gray from the British Tinnitus Association. And if you want to read that report, we've put a link to that in the show notes too. Let us know if hearing issues have been a problem for you. Send us an email at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on social media at elevatemusicpod and let us know. Thank you to Isabel and Nick for speaking to me. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. If you want to find out more about how to look after your health and well-being as a musician, Rianne Jones and I have written a book on this topic which has just been published. It's called Sound Advice and we've still got a few discount codes available. So follow us on social media at Sound Advice Book for those and you can buy the book at soundadvicebook.com. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thanks for listening. And remember, we've got lots of support and information about hearing issues in our episode show notes. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode.